Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Today, I think when we start talking about relationships, we sometimes start with the person to the left or right of us if we have a relationship or we start with an individual that we'd like to seek out and we have this list of goals of, hey, I I like this and I like that and if they're sweet and if they're kind, I like blonde, blue blue eyes, whatever. And whatever your list may be, you kind of start with the person and God actually wants you to start with purpose. Because when you begin with purpose, Sometimes the person that's walking next to you has the same purpose and you just join in that same path in God's will. So the damage often comes whenever people start looking for someone else first before realizing that God has a strong and powerful purpose for your life. And if you find that purpose, oftentimes you can just look to your left and you'll see someone that's amazing that God has set up for you. I don't believe in soulmates. We're going to talk about that next weekend, five Five things that tell you whether you have your soulmate or not. Um, And soulmate's going to mean something a little bit different next week. So you want to be here. I have an amazing illustration. It's going to just blow your mind. Um, But this week we're going to talk a little bit about revisiting relationship. And I want to talk to you a little bit about before the person that comes into your life, what you should do to set yourself up so that you are a good Um, person to join in a relationship because if we're not good at being single we probably won't be good carrying our problems into a relationship amen so it might get uncomfortable in here for a little bit so um, I'm okay with that I've been pastoring a long time so I don't have to have you respond for me to stay comfortable if you guys get crickets in here it's okay with me as long as the word of God is preached then I think that it's important so we're going to go all the way back to where relationships started and that's in the book of Genesis if you turn to Genesis chapter 2 with me we'll begin there today and we're going to read verses 7 through 9 Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 through 9 and I just want to let you know that our church is in revival. We're um, moving through the word revival right now as a theme um, for our year of awakening. And we're on the RE of revival. It's re.viv.al. And we're dealing with revisiting, re, um, being um, regard, regarding the things of God, re, rebuilding anything that has broken down, having a personal revival in your own life so that the church can have revival as a community. Um, because it starts with us individually. So the, the, way, the place I want to start today is revisit relationships. And so here we go. The Bible in the sky will help you if you can't find it. Good thing I didn't go to a scripture like Habakkuk. We'd be 15 minutes finding it. But revisit relationships, and I think it's going to be um, provocative for your thought patterns as to how God laid out the best kind of relationship and the foundation for relationships. Does that sound okay to you today? All right, in a snowstorm, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 through 9, it says, And the Lord God, this is the first time the words Lord and God were used together. It's called first mentioned in in original text because we don't just need a God who's a judge. We need a Lord who's merciful. Mm, That'll preach. Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. 
And the Lord God planted or placed in one scripture. Everyone say placed. A garden eastward of Eden, and there he put or placed the man whom he had formed. Everyone say placed again. And verse 9, and out of the garden uh, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree. Everyone say provision. And in every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everyone say parameters. So I want to talk to you for a little bit about those different things that are in this scripture and how we identify a good relationship and what it takes to know when you have a good relationship in your life. Amen? So let's pray together. Jesus, give us your word. Give us the ability to dredge up something that changes somebody's life today in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. So we begin in Genesis. I don't know what kind of relationship you're in. I'm just going to give you kind of a little bit of a history of my relationship. Um, my wife and I have been married for quite a long time, and the relationship that we had started what I thought was too young. We got married at 19, 18, 19 years old, and we were just we were just young. And some people say that's too young to get married, but if you get married when you're young, it just means that you have a whole lot more time to be annoyed by that person. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But what happens, and I, I think what happens in our culture more often than not, is we tend to go looking for the person before we set our relationship goals, okay? Hashtag goals. So what we have to do is we have to make sure that we set our relationship goals before we get into a relationship because a relationship that doesn't have purpose set out in, in the first part of the relationship will end in um, irrefutably in abuse. And the interesting thing that Miles Monroe once said, he said, where the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. So whenever you start into a relationship, you need to know what the purpose of that relationship is, why you're coming together. And so I'm going to preach more from a biblical standpoint because relationships need to be founded on something that never changes. Amen? And so when you look at culture and when you look at the, the world that we live in, relationships are always being defined differently. If you look at relationship or marriage as defined in the 1920s, it's not the same as it's defined today. Amen? It's completely different. So if you define your relationship off of what culture says relationship should look like, what Kanye and Kim says relationship should look like, then you know that relationships are always moving. You can never, it's just a moving target. And you need to have your relationship built on something that stays the same. Amen? Like the Word of God. That never, that never changes and is founded and established. So I want to start with the word goal because relationships need goals. And the word goal means the, the result or achievement toward which effort is directed. The, the result or achievement toward, toward which, res, um, I can't read my own writing, obviously, which <laughs> effort is directed, aim or ends. I watched a video this week of a girl that was looking to get into a relationship, and she had a bow and arrow, and the arrow was supposed to be Cupid's arrows, and she, it was a Valentine's Day um, video, and she walked into this field, and there was this target that's stationary, and you can't quite see her face, and she pulls out an arrow that says love, and she puts it in the bow and arrow, and then the camera comes around to the front after she's pulled the arrow back, and she's going to release it and she's blindfolded 
And so then she starts releasing arrows, just trying to find love, and she's hitting cars and taking out tires and doing all kinds of things in this video. And they said, this is what it's like if you try to define love by what the culture has blinded us to as what love should be. So we need to define love as, as what the scripture says. And what interests me about the relationship that God starts with in the scripture is he doesn't start with man having a relationship with someone else. He starts with man having a relationship with him. Amen, somebody. So oftentimes what we do is we, we start into looking for somebody or having a relationship and we start aiming at different people thinking they look like what I want or they look like what looks like a good relationship. And the problem is we really haven't learned how to define what relationship is. In other words, I'll be talking about this just a little bit more next week, but you have to be comfortable with being single. Amen. You have to know what single means and how God has developed and designed you and what you you are called to do in God. And if you learn how to be good being single, that's that should be the way that you enter a relationship. I'm good. You know, if if you like me, that's great. If we go out on dates, that's great. But just so you know, I'm good. I'm not needy. I'm not thirsty. I'm not anything. I'm good right where I'm at because I'm good with being single. I know who God made me to be. He's called me to be something in important and I want to find where God has directed me to go. And the culture that defines marriage and relationship that's always moving, you can change your relationship or look for a relationship that then doesn't satisfy you in the long run. And so what I find is we need to visit again relationships. The foundation of a faithful and fruitful relationship is one that first puts God in their life then searches for somebody else that has the same goal. God first, then their spouse or the relationship. Isaiah 40 and 8 says this, the, the grass withereth and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Would you like for your relationship to stand on something that stands forever? Amen. That's why we're looking to the word of God. So there's several things in the scripture. First, it's the Bible uses... A, a very specific situation here where God is creating man and man is being placed in a garden that God specifically designed for man. And Adam doesn't know why he's there at first, but then God tells him you need to tend and keep or watch over the the garden. And, the, and he gives him his purpose first. And this is all before God says these words that I'm about to share with you in Genesis 2 and 18. But in the New Living Translation, it says, then the Lord God said, it is not good. This is the first example of God ever saying something is not good in scripture in the beginning, because he goes through verse, verse two, he creates light and darkness. And, and there's different places throughout um, chapter one and chapter two, where God said it is good. And then he creates Nemo and he creates all these other wonderful things. He says good. And then we have, you know, all of the creatures and animals that God is creating. And every time he finishes his work, he says it is good. And this is the first account in verse number 18 of chapter 2 where God said it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be isolated. It's not good for man, and meaning mankind here, it's not good for man to not have a relationship. And so we have to know this, that it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him, the scripture says, or help meet for him in the King James Version. That's my first point, is that God wants you to have relationship. 
and all the introverts run out the church. <laughs> like, no, I just want to have online courses, and I don't want to deal with people, and I don't like people, and I hate this church because you're telling me I need to have relationships, and this is not good for me because I am more isolated, and I just want to go to my coffee shop and get online and blog and do all my stuff. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that God is not going to leave you lonely because the Bible says he will not leave you. He'll come to you because he wants man to not be alone. So his first promise and one of the greatest promises in the scripture is that whenever you get in trouble and you don't know the answer to your questions, you don't know where to go or what to do, God does not always give you the answer because you may be needing to learn something from that situation. But when he comes, he comes and says, I will not leave you. I will come to you. I will comfort you and I'll be there for you. With every question mark that you have in your mind and God will show up with his presence there and say, and say I may not be able to give you all the answers because sometimes answers create bigger questions and you may not be mature enough to handle the next question that my answer generates but I will show up next to you I will not leave you nor forsake you I will come to you and I will be with you and every time you see a person of God in the narrative of scripture or any any individual that's trying to walk with God and they don't they don't know what's going on and they ask God and they pray and God maybe does not answer the way they see it. God always says, my grace is sufficient. I'm right there with you. I'm going to walk through this with you. You may not know why you're going through what you're going through, but I'm always going to be right here by your side while you're walking through it. And that's the one key about relationships is finding someone that can be beside you. We're not looking for someone that walks behind us or next to us or is just always propping up the things that are, we feel like are missing in our life. In fact, that's the worst way to go about finding a relationship is to try to find someone that completes you. Sorry, Al McGuire. It's, it's not good to go find someone that completes you. You need to be a complete person yourself and work on the things that are missing so that you don't carry that into relationship and expect somebody else to try to fill the void of the places in you that were missing. You need to feel, fulfill those things in God and know that he's going to help you to accomplish whatever is missing so you don't put pressure on another person to fulfill something they were never designed to fulfill. So your aim has to be right. And then you have to know that God wants you in, to be in a relationship because you're better in relationship. Did you know that? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 that two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Is in real trouble. In other words, if you fall alone, you have no one to help you up. And guess what? It may be an accident that you fall down, but it's intentional for you to get back up. Amen? And you need someone beside you that says, hey, you're going to make it. You're going to get through this. I know it's tough in school. I know it's hard with what you're going through, but I'm going to stand right here and I'm going to help you. Have you, been to Je have you been Jesus for anyone ever where you saw them going through something and you just came alongside and said, look, I don't know what to say, but I'm going to do like Jesus and have the ministry of presence and just be with you. 
through this. Have you ever done that for somebody? And then you come out the other side and you didn't really have to say much of anything. You didn't really have to do much of anything. You just showed up and said, I'm here with you. And they're like, you know what? You were the best thing. You were, you were what I needed in that time. And you're like, well, I didn't really do anything. Yes, but you came over at 2 a.m. Or you came over at that time when I, was when I was troubled or struggling. Or you showed up whenever no one else would. And you were a good friend. So having someone beside you is important. And you're better because you have someone with you. I think it's important to know that friends are the people that pick out the stuff that you don't need in your life. When you start to get an attitude about something, like, no, no, that's okay. And they change your perspective. So the different things that I noticed in Scripture before a person ever comes along that we need to get right is, number one, we need to recognize that God places us somewhere first. He, he designed Adam. He formed Adam. He didn't create Adam from his voice. He literally formed Adam from the dust of the ground, the scripture says. And so the Bible says that then he placed him. So God not only builds us, but he provides a place for us. Amen? So whenever God gives him a place, he gives him a place in the garden. The Bible says in 2 and 15 that he placed him in the garden. Everyone say placed him. Sometimes we fight the place where God puts us. It's not coincidence that you're here today. It's not coincidence that you are in the job that you're in or you're going through the school that you're going through or maybe even that you went through the school that you went through and all your friends got to go to other schools but you went to this one place or even that you're in that crazy family. Hello, somebody. And you may feel like you're the only sane person that crazy, but God put you there for a reason. He's put you there on purpose. Amen? The place where you are, you need to learn how to grow where God places you. And so God is intentional about, about what he's done and where he's put you. Number two, God has a purpose for you in that place. And when you find that purpose, God can use you. Verse 15, God gives Adam his purpose. And this is all before a person has ever showed up. This is long before Eve. He's, he's first built, built the man. He's put him in a place. And then he's given him a purpose. And man meaning mankind, male, female. But in the scriptures, as we translate it into our day, we have to understand that the place is where God puts us. The purpose is what God shows us. And sometimes we are so busy fighting the place that we don't end up seeing God's purpose in the place. And then we don't end up having God's provision because we're so busy running from place to place, trying to find either a person or looking for the, that, that one individual. And we're not going to find it until we accept the place that God's put us. So what I did was I went to Bible college, and we went to, we went to Indiana Bible College, and they called it Indiana Bridal College, because for some reason, people just left there engaged. Yeah, everyone shows up with the same agenda. They all, most of them intend to be in ministry, so it's kind of like you're going the same direction anyways, but when I first met Sarah, she didn't like me that much. And um, what was interesting, I'm sharing, the, I'm sharing our story. I was going to have her come up and talk just a little bit with me, but um, she was supposed to be teaching Sunday school. And so you're in here, and I'm a little bit perplexed, but I don't know why. You want to come up here? Yeah, that's fine. Come on up. So we're going to talk a little bit about our relationship because when we found that we were in the same place and the purpose that God had for us, there was something really interesting that happened. We met in church. I know that's kind of crazy. But um, she walked up to me with her friend, and her friend 
sat on this side and she sat on this side in church. And all of the guys that were in my dorm sat like three rows over. And about halfway through church, they looked back and I had this really beautiful girl on the right and a really beautiful girl on the left in church. And I was like, oh yeah, boys, that's how this works. It's the blue eyes, just you know, no, it's kidding. But she was, um, she was sitting there and I, I didn't really know her at all. And the Lord began to move. And I'm sensitive to the Holy Ghost, maybe you are. Um, and everyone was standing and we were worshiping God. And I just, I felt the tear go down my cheek because I just felt God's presence. And I'm like, this girl's going to think I'm just crazy, you know. This guy's here crying in church. And so I do one of these numbers, you know, like where you're, you're praying and you're like, you open one eye, like, are they praying too? Or do they just think I'm crazy because I have my hands lifted? And I look over and she's doing the exact same thing and there's a tear running down her cheek. And I went, that's a keeper. That's a keeper. And um, I just really felt like from that point on, um, I was fishing with a treble hook, but I still fished. Amen. I went after the person, um, and I was privileged because God had set me in the place, and God had already given me the, the, the actual purpose for my life, and I was still working on the provision. I was on budget, like Nate said last week. Um, but I really felt like I had give, been given the perspective that this, this lady could be very special in my life. And there were parameters to that. So those are the other things that I wanted to talk about. And so when you came to Bible college, can you just kind of tell your story about how we met and what happened and your perspective? Okay. <laughs> um, well, I, my parents, I was raised in the church, and so my parents had always taught me to not be ashamed of my worship of the Lord. And so I, you know, to me, if a guy I was interested in wasn't a worshiper, he wasn't, he was no longer a guy I was interested in. Um, and I encourage anyone who is a young person who hasn't um, entered a marriage relationship or an engagement yet to have that for a um, safeguard for yourself. Um, because like you already said, if you're seeking God's purpose, if you're pursuing God's purpose, and you find yourself in God's purpose, and you look around you, you will see people following the same purpose of God near you. And it's actually true in any part of your life that whatever purpose you're seeking, you're going to find people next to you who are going after the same things. If you're living the party life, Guess who you're around? Guess who you're going to see? I always, it's always puzzling to me when people say, well, I met, you know, I, I'm looking for a girlfriend. I'm going to go to the bars. Okay, so what you want is a wife who hangs out in bars. That's, your, that's the solid relationship you're looking for? A person who sits their life on a bar stool? That's what you're looking for? That's what you want for your whole life? Because that's where you're going to find it. If that's what their purpose is, is just for a temporary good time, that's all they're looking for in you, is a temporary good time. And so there's no lasting relationship possible in that scenario. So when you're in the altar worshiping God, and you look over and you see a person next to you, and they're doing the same thing, guess what? You already have something in common. Already you have similar interests. Already you're on the same path, and your path will be easier together because of it. If you happen to come to the Lord after 
you've established your relationship or after you've been married, and the Bible says you're unequally yoked, you have a purpose that your spouse does not, it's always a rub. It's difficult. It makes living for God so much more difficult. So I do encourage those who are looking for a mate to look first to God and then see what he places next to you. That's the best way to establish relationship. I didn't actually tell our story. Do you still want me to? Okay, well, I didn't like him. So, I mean, he was nice and everything, and he had pretty eyes. But <laughs> actually, yes, we were told that there, the, my friend and I were told that there was some guy that had amazing blue eyes um, that was a freshman, because that was my second year. And so we were, you know, we didn't know who that was yet. And, and I do remember that when we sat down next to him, just because it happened to be empty seats, we sat down next to him and we're like, it's the guy with the eyes. So <laughs> we identified him that way. But anyway, so he did start hanging out with our group of friends. And um, he was actually interested in a different girl, not me or my friend. And um, I thought he was nice and he was funny and we had good times but I was not at all interested in him but we were going on the same path toward the same purpose because we both were called to ministry and so through that the Lord started to shift things and God shifted his interests and he started to be interested in me he had, God hadn't shifted my interests yet so it was a little rough <laughs> so he was started pursuing me and I started going Hold on, buddy. And <laughs> so <laughs> you can hang out with my friends, but that's it. So, <laughs> so anyways, then um, we did start. Um, well, so he had nowhere to go for Thanksgiving because he was from Alaska. And I always traditionally would take home some missionary kids with me for holidays because they had nowhere to go. So I already had two other buddies uh, who were both one of them. He was from Malawi, and one was from New Hampshire. So they were both coming home for Thanksgiving with me. And I found out he had nowhere to go. So I'm like, hey, come on with us to, for Thanksgiving. So three of these guys came home with me for Thanksgiving. And lo and behold, my mother heard a word from the Lord. And I, you know, I'm, I don't think this always happens, but it happened this time. And after a couple days of them hanging out at our house, my mom said to me, you're going to marry that guy. Now, my mom is not like that. She doesn't try to run my life or anything like that. She's like, you're going to marry that guy. And I'm like, I am? But because she doesn't normally do that, because she's a woman of God, and because I felt like she had heard from God, I took it seriously. I didn't tell him right away. But, <laughs> but I did take it seriously, and I, I started saying before the Lord in my prayer time, Lord, if this is your intention, show me. Because I wasn't interested in him in, in that way. And you know what? The Lord started to do a work in my heart and in my mind and started to show me how this man was for me and could be for me. And we started a relationship. We started dating, and we had a lot of relational issues because we had we came from very different backgrounds but we had the same purpose and we wanted to serve God with all our hearts and so we were married the following year in October Stay here. Oh <clears throat> I didn't have good role models when I was younger so I didn't know how to be a good husband or 
or a good man of the home. Um, so I think our first, I want to say first 10 years of marriage, I pretty much lived single but married. And that's a bad thing, just so you know. Um, I thought I was loving her with all my heart. But because she came from a foundation strong enough to build a skyscraper on it, I didn't have all of the tools that I needed to be a good husband. So she would constantly come to me in the role of instructor or trainer. And I kind of, you know, she didn't want to be in that position, but she was automatically in that position because there was just some, some gear that I didn't have on board, okay, for the, for the, the journey of marriage. And as I began to soften to the idea that she has some things that I can learn and not look at it as her just telling me all of the things that I'm doing wrong because I felt like I was always the problem. Okay, have you ever been there? You feel like the problem? And so th maybe this is something that you can, you can use, but I found out that there were times where I didn't like her very much, <laughs> but I loved her. And I married my best friend. And so that's one thing you need to find out. If you can walk through life with somebody by your side as your best friend, you will make it through a marriage relationship. Because love can come and go. I tell, I tell everybody this, love is a choice. You have to know that. Um, love is a choice. I choose her every day. Um, when I get up in the morning, I choose to be faithful. I choose to be the, the man that she needs me to be. Whenever she's down, I try to lift her up. Whenever she, whenever she sees that I'm down, she tries to lift me up. We, we work together at this. And sometimes we really annoy um, the mess out of each other. But that's because we're combining two people into one life. Amen? And we, have com we had completely different ideas about how to do life. And so... When we first got married, um, I was a runner. I would run from things. And I didn't mean to be a runner. I wasn't trying to be, be a runner. I didn't think I was running from problems. But I was a really good runner. I was a mountain runner when she met me. I was, I was like, you know, I had one stripe on my pajamas. That's how thin I was. And she, she realized early on that I didn't understand that I was running from things that I didn't feel equipped to handle. And so it grew, I grew into all of this. And I want maybe her to just tell a little bit about how she dealt with um, the, lack of, the lack of ability in, in me as a person who saw things that needed to be changed in your significant other or spouse and didn't know how to approach those things. And I'd like for her to help you maybe in seeing something that frustrates you about the person you're with and maybe give you a little bit of insight on how to approach them in a way that may be receivable. Well, I want to encourage you to know the roles that God has placed in his word for men and for women. Um, because um, as, as the man in our home, he didn't know how to be all of that. He didn't actually know how God had designed it and what he was supposed to be, that the, the Lord wants the man to be the protector and, and uh, the champion for the home. And he didn't know that. He didn't know how to do that. And um, so even... Even though I came from a home where my father's a very strong, godly man, and he, he did all that. Not that he's perfect, but he did all that. And so I was expecting my husband to just pick up from where my father left off when I left my father's home. 
And he couldn't possibly. So if I had clung to that, expecting him to be exactly like my father, I was giving him only failure, only possibility of failure. So I had to set aside my ideas and work with what was here. Now, I didn't, thank God I didn't, because I was young and stupid. Thank God I didn't let go of what I knew the Word of God says. It's important to know what the Word of God says about marriage and about relationships and how they work, because if you know what the Word of God says, you can stand strong on the Word, even if the person that you're with is not standing firm on the Word with you, because they don't have the knowledge to. So every time we'd bump into one of these problems where he could not, he just simply could not be that person, because he didn't know how, I would present him back to the Lord, and I remember many times laying for the Lord, praying, crying, Lord, why? I mean, he, he wants to be a godly man, but he's doing, you know, it's just like, it's too difficult. I can't do this. It's too difficult. I'm trying to be my role, and I can't be because he won't be his role. And the Lord spoke to me many years ago, and I'll never forget it, and I still apply it to this day. The Lord said, hey, knock it off. Well, not maybe like that. But he said, knock it off. That is my child. And it convicted me. I was trying to make God's child into something else. My husband, my man, my protector, my champion. I wanted him to be all these things. But first and foremost, he's God's child. So I had to say, oh, I have to surrender him back into God's hands. Whatever God is doing in his life, I'm along for that ride. And I can pray for him, and I can help him, and I can you know, be a support to him as he learns and grows in the areas that he didn't have from his childhood. But I can still be glad that the Lord entrusted a child of God into my life to walk with through life. Is that okay for... Amen. Give her a big hand for helping us out today. <clears throat> you can stay here. The other thing we ran into is difference of ideas and, and purpose of life and where we were headed. Um, God wants you to have relationship. That was number one. But God wants you to have proper relationship. And so <clears throat> I learned how to provide. I learned how to be a workaholic very young. I was just go, go, go. Um, I was very driven. I felt like if you point me in the direction and you give me enough time, I'm going to conquer it. And that was my personality. Um, and so I didn't realize that just, just getting something done may not be the healthiest way to do things. There's a right way and a wrong thing to do, a way to do things. And what I found out was you can do the right thing the wrong way. And so I started to go through the scriptures and find that, look, God, God places you first. God puts a purpose in your life. And then, and then he provides provision. It says, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree in verse 9 that is pleasant to the sight. He caused them to grow. So he provided in the area where he placed Adam. And then it says that he made parameters. He created a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he's told him, of every tree you can eat except for this one tree. So relationships have to have a framework in order for them to be healthy. And I didn't have that framework. So for a long time, she was actually 
what I felt like was she was framing me in. I felt like I was contained or I was, I was blocked in. And, um, and I remember the first time that she did that, she stood in front of the door and we were having this discussion. It was just a, um, a, dis a passionate discussion. Um, you call it what you want. We were arguing and we were having this discussion and she blocked the door because I wanted to go outside. I wanted to leave the house. I'm like, I, I got to get away from this. I need to go outside. And she stood in front of the door and she goes, not, <laughs> not in my house, basically. You're going to deal with this right here, right now. And so what she didn't, what I didn't realize at the time was what I felt like was confining me was actually her trying to teach me the framework of how you work within the relationship of each other and how you respect what their feelings are and walk through those feelings even when it's uncomfortable for you. So just kind of talk about the framework that you had to build and how you had to help me with that. And I'm sorry that I'm like the redheaded, freckle-faced stepchild that we're beating on right now, but this is just the way the relationship took place and how it formed and how we have grown into such an amazing relationship that we have now. Well, the framework um, revolves around a couple of things. Communication, of course, and that's what he was running from because he had never learned how to communicate about problems, and so he was learning that. And that, that's the that was the uncomfortable part. He didn't want to talk about it. He'd rather pretend like it didn't happen. If we ignore it, it'll go away, you know, sweep it under the rug. But those problems always get bigger. So, um, so of course, I did things wrong in that scenario, too. I didn't, shouldn't really have blocked him in. But, <laughs> but from, from the solid home that I came from, when, when we had a conflict, we sat down and we talked about it. And we figured out what the root of the conflict was. And that is very uncomfortable. I don't know anybody here who really loves to sit down and talk about conflict. Some people are better at conflict than others, just naturally, it's their personality. But nobody likes to sit down and talk about something that's a big problem. Nobody does. It's very uncomfortable, especially if, kind of, if you're the problem, <laughs> then you really don't want to talk about it. So, um, that was the, the, the big thing, communication. You have to, you do have to be open to sitting down and talking about it. Even if maybe if that is not the right moment for it, um, schedule a time. Um, we, we did do this thing for a while where I'm like, we have to talk about it. He's like, I don't want to talk about it right now. And I'm like, we have to talk about it, though. It's an issue that will only get bigger with time. And he'll be like, we'll talk about it tonight. Well, real quick, I realized that that meant that we would never talk about it because when it came time to talk about it tonight, he was snoring already. So, <laughs> you know, that didn't work. So, <laughs> what? No, he was, he was sleeping peacefully already. And, <laughs> but um, um, with the framework idea, there is a concept that is in the scripture in Ephesians where the Bible says how men and women are supposed to relate to each other in a marriage. And there's two words that are there, two very, very important words. The first one is love, and the second one is respect. And um, if you really dig deep, down deep inside and look in your emotions and everything, as a woman, the thing that makes me feel the best is when I feel loved because I'm an emotional being. So when I feel loved by him, boy, I, he just rises to you know, the, my best opinion of him. And 
when I feel, even if he's not intentionally showing, when I feel like he's not showing love toward me, like if he brushes me off or unintentionally or not, when I don't feel love, I don't think very highly of him. It's just an automatic thing. And when he feels respected, because men love to feel respected. They work hard for that. They, you're wired for that. Um, when he feels respect from me, it's funny how he automatically will show me love. And when I show him respect, he shows me love, and then I show him respect again, and then he shows me love again. And it turns into this healthy cycle. And the relationship will keep going forward. But if one of us breaks that cycle, and he shows me no love or makes me feel unloved, or if I disrespect him, then all of a sudden it's broken. And then when he shows me no love, then I don't want to respect him. And if he feels disrespect, well, then he's, not, he's going to brush me off. He doesn't want me near me. So that's kind of the crazy cycle where you get kind of on this crazy mirror ground and it, it doesn't work. So the love and the respect that the Bible talks about, again, we're back at God's relationship standard, the love and respect of a man and a woman together, it works. And if you break that cycle, it doesn't work. And if God is not enough, no one ever will be. <clears throat> so you have to, I, I learned this early on, I, I wanted certain things from the relationship, I needed certain things from the, the relationship, but <clears throat> I had to want everything that she was in my life, not just need it, because need tends toward abuse. If you need something long enough, you become needy, and you'll take it because you need it. But if I wanted her in my life, I wanted her to invest in me. If I took it from the, the framework that when she comes to me, it sounds like she's kind of nagging a little bit. If I will look for the positive in that, and I'll look for what is she trying to invest in me so I can improve? Because I believe that she's trying to do the best for me. She wants me to be better. She's not trying to cut me down. If you have a relationship where you don't fight fair, then I will tell you you need to learn how to fight right because you're fighting the wrong way. You can get frustrated, say things, end up in, in saying things that you shouldn't say or, or that you regret from saying or you will eventually regret. But the thing that we have learned to do is we've learned to recognize that she wants the best for me right. and I want the best for her. Yes. And from that platform, we can then talk to each other and say, hey, look, this might not be good for you, or that might not be good, or I see something here, or I see something there. And she will, even if she doesn't like it, she will go and she will analyze it and say, okay, maybe, maybe I do need to change this. You have to be teachable yes. in every way. And if you stop being teachable, then you stop growing, right. okay? And we're wrapping this down. I know this was a little bit long, but we're going to do a little bit more of the, the basic biblical stuff. But I wanted you to notice that the Scripture gives very clear instructions for what a healthy relationship is and the pattern of a relationship. And that is all before a person comes along. And so when I found her, I had already luckily put these things in place, not intentionally, but because I was walking with the Lord and He did it for me. So gratefully... Um, and thankfully, I didn't have a lot of collateral damage from a relationship that I chose early in life, where I was just um, having to work through 
being what I felt was stuck with someone. Instead, I'd already recognized that God was at work here. And because she is an individual that builds people and nurtures people, that relationship worked. So look for someone who has a good heart. Look for someone who's willing to stand beside you. Look for someone that's willing to invest in you and make you better. And if you find a person like that, they're worth holding on to. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand together. I just want to finish with Matthew 22, verse 36 to 39. Let's give Sarah a big hand for helping us today. And we can make the book available to you if you want a reference for love and respect. That book, you can read that over the Valentine's Day. Maybe you guys can snuggle in together and get that book done. I don't know. But anyways, what I found in, in Scripture is um, that God wants us to understand that we can't necessarily love each other if we don't love ourselves very well. So in Scripture, in Matthew 22, 36 through 39, there's a pattern. It says, love God, love yourself, and love others. And so it says this, teacher, which is the most important commandment, they were asking Jesus of the law. And Jesus says this in the next verse. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That's a given. They knew that. That was the great commandment. So they knew this. But then Jesus doesn't just add on to that commandment. He makes another another commandment basically equal to that. And he says this, this is the first and greatest. And the second is equally important. As this original commandment that God had given the children of Israel, he says another one is equally as important to that one. And that is love your neighbor as what? Yourself. The problem is a lot of people don't love themselves. Because we're watching highlight reels on different Instagram and things, and people only post what they've filtered. And if their family looks good, great, then they post it. But if you're only seeing all of the highlights of somebody's life, you begin to look at yourself and say, you know what, maybe I'm not as good. Maybe. And if you have a low self-esteem, that affects the overall um, relationship that you're in. And so Jesus says this. This is a key to having a good relationship. Learn how to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then love your neighbor or love others as you love yourself. And so I would say that you need to learn that God loves you very much, that he died for you on a cross and he purchased every opportunity for you and every sin stain was washed away because he loved you so much. And when you recognize that he loves you that much, then you can love other people even more. But when you go to love somebody else or get into a relationship and you still have holes and places that need to be repaired, I want to challenge you to learn how God loves you and learn who you are in Jesus Christ and learn who you are in the Word of God, what He thinks of you. Because He wouldn't die for you if you were worthless. He wouldn't give His life for you if you had no value. And so you're highly valuable. You're, in fact, the Bible says you're highly favored. And I want you to know that this relationship that you're entering into, whether it's most, it's, it's going to be leading you down the path of marriage or not, I want you to know that as we're going to talk about this next week, having a soulmate, you have to know that picking somebody is so very important to your purpose because you can choose someone that leads you away from God's purpose for your life. And I really want you to have the best in your relationships. And they say, well, I found my soulmate. 
Did you? Did you? Did you find your soulmate? The best thing you can do is find your purpose mate. Because if you found a soulmate, it needs to be someone that's intertwined with the purpose of God for your life. And that's not just a selfish-driven thing. It is very much a God-driven thing. So loving God, loving yourself, and loving others is very important. And I'm really excited about talking to you about soulmates next week because a lot of people believe that they found their soulmate. And if you select your soulmate, but your soulmate, the person next to you, got it wrong, then whoever they were supposed to be with got it wrong. And now we got a problem. Times that by 100. You got a bunch of people that are not with their soulmates. So it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I want to redefine what soulmate means next week for you and do a much better job after this introduction of showing you where God desires you to be in your relationship. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for the example that you put before us that we are to love you first. And then we are to learn to love ourselves the way you said, that we are purchased, bought. We're the head, not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We are more than conquerors in you, Christ Jesus. And you did all of that for us because you love us and value us that much. And we should also have that high regard for ourselves, not to just give ourselves to anyone or anything, Lord God, but to be designed and directed by you because you put great value on us. And then also, Lord God, help us to love others, our neighbor as ourself this week, to leave here, Lord Jesus, and to know that we are walking with you and doing our best to stand beside somebody if we have someone. And if we're looking for a person, Lord God, redirect us to your purpose first. Put us in the place you want us to be. Holy Spirit, do the deep work. Dredge up anything that needs to be handled before we ever connect ourselves to somebody else. Help us this week, Lord Jesus. Illuminate to us anything you need to change in us so that we're ready when our soulmate does arrive. In Jesus' precious name.